From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Hey, welcome into the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. It is mid-February. The Super Bowl is over. The SEC basketball regular season. A few weeks to go, and spring practice is still about a month away. Baseball season here on the college level this weekend. We will talk Georgia's NFL draft potential. Guys that look like uh, they're going to be going to combine and then uh, probably getting drafted in April. Could be lots and lots of Bulldogs. Looks like it will be with Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. Ryan, uh, I know the biggest thing for you this week was your Valentine's Day. So, do you want to kind of share with the listeners? Oh, that's uh, NSFW. I cannot go into that. Uh, oh, yeah, it was a good Valentine's. Uh, you know, first as a married guy, it would, uh, felt felt different. And you um, continued Valentine's Day week by going to the Hawks game last night. I did with a with a buddy. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, uh, and you know what. Um, I became engaged a year ago tomorrow, so uh, good week, good week. Yes, thank you, thank you. Congrats to Matthew Stafford, the speaking of love, former Georgia Bulldog is a Super Bowl champion, along with Sony Michelle, Leonard Floyd, Thomas Brown, Nick Jones, and Nick Jones. Uh, Stafford and wife Kelly were on today's show this morning. I didn't see it. Uh, I heard they were going to be on. I think it might have been recorded because I think they were on. NFL Live or something on ESPN yesterday. They might have just done a bunch. But more importantly, Stafford went straight from uh, the Super Bowl on Sunday to Disneyland on Monday uh, in Anaheim, not too far. So not Disney World. What if he got a helicopter? What if he took the Kirby Copter LA version? I'm guessing. Do you think he actually drove? Do you think he had a driver that took him there? Did he actually get in his uh, Mercedes SUV if he had something like that and and drove there himself? I'm guessing he got a lift somehow. If, If it was a helicopter over or... You know, uh, how, far, how far is was it Anaheim? Is that where? I mean, can you take it, a little plane? Is that? Is it's that... in Anaheim. Uh, we were out in L.A., uh, I don't know when it was, five years ago. When was Georgia there for this for the uh, Rose Bowl? So, yeah, seven, uh, so 18. You know what? New Year's Day, 18. I don't even remember if it was before or after that. But we were outside of Disneyland. We didn't go in Disneyland, didn't bring the kids. So we were uh, in the area and... Um, Nice. Uh, hey, I'll tell you who else was on the uh, Today Show this morning. And uh, it, it might be a sore subject with Georgia fans because he's a Florida player, but Van Jefferson was on there with his wife who had a baby during the Super Bowl. Did you hear about all that? Is she out of the hospital already? Uh, you know, they might have been in the hospital room, but they were doing interviews. Hmm. Okay. Hey, um, you can get your Georgia football jersey of your favorite player uh, with the jersey number and his name on the back. Um Starting before the season, uh, it's one of these group NIL deals, um, and now a player has to opt in on that. Why wouldn't you? Well, I mean, maybe if you got to negotiate it, like maybe you know, you think Stetson Bennett's going to put his name out there as much as a guy that's like, you know, a, a special teamer. I mean, shouldn't Stetson get more uh, if they're going to sell a thousand Stetson or ten thousand Stetson Bennett jerseys? I, I don't know. Well, here thing about all that. Uh, that seems like, though, the right path that I think this was supposed to go from the beginning, right? 
you know, when you thought about giving players their name, image, likeness, it was stuff like this because you used to walk into a uh, bookstore, you know, and there'd be a game worn jersey by a player mm-hmm. and they were getting no profits off of it. And you're like, well, that's wrong. Now, using big time money from a car dealership or whatever to help recruit kids to your school. That doesn't seem like the the spirit of this name, image, likeness rule. So I did like hearing that yesterday that that came out that players could benefit off their own jerseys from, say, a bookstore and stuff like that. Georgia's one of, I don't know, 60-ish maybe. It's a lot. It's, it's you know, more schools than not are going to be doing this. Uh, assuming everybody opted in, which I don't think everyone necessarily will, um, who do you think will be the hottest commodities in terms of uh, – People wanting to put that name on the back of the jerseys. I get my three would be Keely Ringo, oh yeah, Stetson Bennett, Brock Bowers. Oh yeah, that's 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 three killers. You gotta always think running back. You know, is uh, Kendall Milton about to have a you know have a few jerseys sold? Uh, you know, maybe a uh, I don't know Kenny McIntosh. You know what I thought was funny in that video they put the first name was a William Pool. How many th- how many of those are gonna fly off the shelf? Well, here's my thought. Those four guys that they put their names on there have already opted in. Uh, you know who who was it? It exactly. was uh, Robert Beal. It was William Poole. It was Jack Pod Lesney, and it was Warren Erickson. Yeah, because they're not. I mean, why would you necessarily put like Robert Beal's name over Stetson? Right, so right. Those guys must yeah. have said, "Yeah, I'm doing it." <clears throat> Interesting. That's my guess. Um, Though I feel like this should have been a thing uh, worked out from the beginning. I know the whole NIL thing just got thrown on everybody pretty quickly last summer, but. I feel like that, like I said, was was kind of the intent of this whole rule, and maybe they should have come prepared with that from the beginning. What jersey do you think former Georgia baseball coach David Perno will be buying? Uh, Clark Central uh, 14, I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess that'll work for all sports, won't it? Will it be baseball, football? My, uh, can you do basketball? No, I, d- I was teasing a, a Ryan Dennis story. Uh, Perno uh, took uh, kind of a shot at the NCAA for... I didn't even click with me there. The, the COVID... You did, it did not click with you? Yeah, I mean, it took me a second. I thought you were just referencing baseball, but yeah, he uh, he doesn't like it. I know that for a fact. But I, And I get his point. Now, the whole name, image, likeness thing that he's upset about is more... Uh, he says it's not amateur you know, athletics at that point. But the other two things, I can get how the, the trickle down of giving kids an extra year in college affects kids at his level at high school. So I see where he's coming from. I mean, <laughs> is, uh, is, is the contract for uh, Scott Strickland or Joni Taylor, I mean, is that amateur athletics? I mean, I, you know, they're getting I, paid a lot more than I, the high I, school coach. How much is, is Perno getting as a, as a, you know? I feel like I looked this up the other day. Is 85? I, I don't know. It was a little over 90. Yeah. All right. Um, speaking of amateur athletics, Ryan, um, Kentucky coach John Calipari was on an episode of Billions on Showtime. Um, he is making lots of money, too, on the I wouldn't say on the back of these players, but, you know, at least the guys on Kentucky now can, you know, have their own NIL deals with whatever. I mean, that's big time basketball like North Carolina, like Duke. So those guys can can make as much not as much money as their coach, but they can make a slice of it, a bigger slice of it. What TV show do you think Kirby Smart or Tom Crean could you see them being on? Um, I mean, the first thing that popped into my head was Succession. I mean, is that uh, is that something that you know he's he kind of followed uh, Mark Richt, who followed Jim Donnan, who uh, you know that that is kind of cool that Georgia's had five coaches in you know sixty years or whatever. You know, that's, that's a pretty cool little nugget if you ask me. Unlike the Auburns and the Floridas of the world that have had five or six in the past. Uh, 
15, 20 years. Well, I mean, Vince Dooley was 25 years. Mark Rick was 15. Kirby Smart now already at number seven. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously shorter stints for, for Ray Goff and Jim Donnan. Um, but um, I'm trying to remember. I, I, was it Ozark or something? Kirby Smart once told us binge-watching. Um, I, I can't remember exactly uh, what it is now. And I, I'm not sure. Tom, Tom, what is Tom Crean like TV show-wise? Oh, yeah. gosh. Uh, I think he'd be in like a Taco Bell commercial. I, I can say right now it seems like Family Matters. They're having a lot of issues there in the uh, in the house. Huh? I don't know. Sounded right. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that. He's uh, <clears throat> he's uh, not do- not doing too hot. You're talking about his basketball team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um. Well, the- what, what would you have uh, Kirby in? Do you do you have a show that? Was- no, I just I just mentioned the only ones I know that he's uh, in. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of what he would fit in. Um, I'll have to get back to you. I I didn't think it out. Uh, hey, uh, want to mention this might be a little bit before your time, Ryan, but uh-huh. um, as we get to sports in a minute. Uh, director Ivan Reitman died, and um, he was uh, directed movies like I'm going to give you four of them, and you tell me which one have you seen or if you like any of them. Meatballs, way before your time. You know, I've heard of Meatballs, never saw it. Stripes, no. Ghostbusters. You know, I've never seen Ghostbusters. What? Yeah, Bill you, Murray. Yeah, you, I know. I'm uh, not a movie. I'm you, not a movie guy. Are you? You're not a movie guy. You know, I'm not a movie guy. And Draft Day. No, no, I never saw. So rank those one to four for me. Um, I haven't seen Draft Day. I would go Stripes, Meatballs, Ghostbusters. Not a big Ghostbusters fan. Uh, Stripes is, is, I mean, you kind of just kind is of... That da- Bill, that's Bill Murray too, right? Yeah, Bill Murray and Harold, <coughs> Harold Ramis. And, I'll tell you what I did watch on February 2nd that involved Bill Murray. What's that? Yeah, you know, Groundhog Day, of course. Oh, yeah. All right, um, Stripes is good. You watch it when you go home after the podcast. Who's the uh, director? He did all the uh, space balls, and he did uh, Mel, Brooks. Mel Brooks. Is that what those movies are like? No, because you know, I mean, I I have seen uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights, which is uh, up there is one of my favorites of all time. Nope, nope, nope. Okay, very different. Um, later, but before we do, um, we mentioned men's basketball. Uh, Bulldog Hoopsters are at LSU tonight. Sixteen and a half point underdog. I mean. They seem to be 15 or more points in a lot of these road games where they're playing the upper echelon. LSU, they're not in the top – I don't know where they are in the standings. They're like six or seven maybe. I don't know. Georgia lost five in a row and 13 of the last 14. Um, I mean, they could still steal another win or two before the end of the season, um, but, you know, it is what it is. They don't have enough horses to win these games. Um, they're outclassed, out-talented. Um, and and you kind of knew that would be the case. I mean, let's give some props to Cario uh, Aquendo. He looks like he's got you know game. He's averaged like seventeen, eighteen points a game in the SEC. Um, you know, but you know, and Braylon Bridges is doing a yeoman's job as uh, kind of their post guy, the guy that they stick in the middle of the zone defenses that that teams throw at them and shoots a high percentage, but. Um, you know, that's not, probably not enough to, to get by. In, you know. I mean, yeah, Oquendo has been the only, really the only bright spot. I mean, uh, Cook's, you know, playing okay, but he's, I think they expected maybe some more out of him, though. He, I mean, he, he's doing a lot at, you know, running the point guard position. But, uh, you know, if, if Oquendo can stick, assuming there's a new coaching uh, staff coming what? in. Wait, what are you talking about? Yeah, 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 we all know. Um, then uh, that could be a good building block for uh, for next year and maybe the one after that. Ryan, I know you're a big reader of the Bulldogs Extra newsletter. Which, uh, yeah, you, you know, if uh, if you're not a subscriber to that, 
you know, actually, it's, I think it's free. You don't have to even be a Athens Banner Herald subscriber. You just need to go to the website and um, opt in, basically. Opt in, Ryan. Don't you do notes with this podcast? Can you can you stick a link in there or something? National championship contenders uh, in order, uh, terming you know, in terms of the programs that uh, are going on. Yeah, Ryan. I don't know if you had a chance to read that list, but. Mm-hmm. Let me let me hear your list. I actually did ten of them. I was was but then I was like, well, you know what? There's a lot of teams here that are in that realm, and and they don't really. There's not much separation from some of them. So who would you say uh, next national champions for the Georgia Bulldogs yes. in other sports? I mean, you always have the next national champion for Georgia Bulldogs. I got you. Um, in order, let's say incorrect. The next national champion, most likely, is the Georgia football program again. Yeah, yeah, okay. Trick question. Why well, you said not other sports. But anyway, yeah, you're probably right on that. But, I mean, you know, who knows? A, uh, a women's tennis team or something might get a run. Uh, they've got a good squad. You know, Stones basketball kind of falling just a little bit this season. Uh, baseball, never know with that. So, uh, But I could see a, a men's golf or a women's tennis, you know, having a good run there, getting hot in the postseason. All right, here's, like. a, here's, a, here's my list. I'm going to go from 10 to 1. All right. Drum roll, please. Yep. <laughs> Number 10, I have women's basketball. And uh, the reason why is it's a top 25 team. It's lost three in a row, including a home blowout loss to number one South Carolina. They haven't got past the second round under Journey Taylor, correct? Oh, that's correct. Yeah. Right. So it's a big leap to say you're going to go from making a Sweet 16 to actually winning it all. And not easy to do in a sport where it's uh, you got to win six games in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Number nine, I have men swimming on my list. Um, they are, I don't remember. what I saw an email yesterday. Maybe they were fifth or something. Uh, number eight, I have women swimming. Uh, seven, men's tennis. They you know, had a couple of down years. And then number six, is softball because that's a team that's gotten I'm surprised you didn't even mention them team that's gotten to the Women's College World Series a good bit last year included that's true um, number 12 ranked off 5-1 and one in the first weekend under new coach Tony Baldwin number 5 I have men's golf which Ryan just mentioned and I probably would have had them that high but they put up some terrific scores in Puerto Rico over the week probably an easy course I don't know because they set a bunch of team records well, hey you're playing against other uh, other teams even though they, they set the program record scoring record on Sunday with a 23 under total then came back and fired them because uh, they didn't play as well on their final round but yeah, you know, the thing about men's golf is, you know, they make a lot about all the PGA stars that they have out there, which, you know, you can have up to 10 former Bulldogs in each tournament. But I, I do feel like they didn't exactly cash in on some of that when they were here. Uh, and, and you know, the, the, the ones that the Kevin Kisners, the Chris Kirks of the world, they win something. So. My number four team, even though they haven't reached a super regional under Scott Strickland, is baseball. They're number four team by Baseball America. And, um, you know, it's the same deal. You get to a super regional, you get to Omaha, you got a chance to win this thing if you can yeah. get, get hot. Uh, number three is women's tennis. Uh, they lost a couple of matches last week to Virginia and NC State, but they were number three entering the weekend and they were the national runner up in 2019. Number two is men's track and field. Oh, yeah. How dare you forget the program that's won some national championships, the men and the women, indoor and outdoor. Yeah, Matthew Bowling. Um, they have a first-year coach in Carol Smith-Gilbert who won national championship with a women's team, I believe, at Southern Cal. They are up to number two this week with uh, Matthew Bowling, Elijah Goodwin. And number one on my list is your Georgia Bulldogs. Um, we don't don't need to say much about that except for the fact that they recruited a high level and they've won it now. And so, 
you know, I mean, I talked about it the week after the podcast. I think it was what was I putting the over under at five, four or national titles. So you got to start. You got to start cranking those out. Well, they got one under their belt at least. I'm not saying they're going to win it next year. It's a little early to talk about. Um, but uh, plus, as we'll talk about coming up next with uh, our guest, there's a lot of talent leaving that will be drafted uh, in late April. And uh, why don't we get to that right now? Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl. All right, joining us now to talk uh, Georgia players that took part in the uh, Senior Bowl and uh, will go on now for the NFL Combine in a couple weeks is uh, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. Uh, appreciate you uh, joining us, Jim. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Before you were in your current position, you were an NFL scout for 18 years. Uh, what are teams doing in the two-plus months now between the uh, – the NFL draft or as you know, between now and the NFL draft uh, before making decisions on these guys, how big, uh, after the senior bowl, um, now is the NFL combine and then the pro days, uh, in terms of the entire process. Yeah. I mean, the, the entire process is just, they're trying to learn the people. They're trying to learn these guys and who they are. Um, the tape is out there. They've seen the tape. Um, you know, they saw the senior bowl tape, the best of the best in the country against each other. So that was a great evaluation tool for them. Uh, you know, the combine and the pro days will get them some, some testing data, but, but really the main objective through the whole process for these three months is just figuring out how these guys are wired and who they are as people. And, uh, you know, they've been in the school all fall and, and talked to everyone at the school about them, but now they're getting to meet them, you know, face to face and hearing the kids, they're hearing the stories from the kids themselves and, and where they came from and, and, and just trying to figure out that part. I just going back in my experience in the NFL, I mean, the, the teams I worked for, I feel like the, 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 the players we missed on in the draft and we missed more on the, on the person more than we missed on the player. Uh, that's really the most difficult part. It's really a, it's really a short period of time that you do get to know these guys. It's only a certain amount of exposures. You get, you get seven days in Mobile, you get, you know, two or three days in Indianapolis, you get a day, you know, a day on campus at the pro day and, and potentially a 30 visit back at, at your facility. So that's really, in the big scheme of things, when you're making million-dollar decisions and investments, uh, that's a really short period of time. So they are, uh, they're just exhausting themselves right now trying to figure out who these guys are and where they came from. Uh, Jim, Georgia had an outstanding you know, linebacker core this year, which boosted one of the best defenses I think uh, we've seen in a long time. You know, you had Channing Tindall, Nicobe Dean, and Quay Walker in that group. What have you kind of seen from them and uh, thoughts on you know, what they might do at the next level? Yeah, I mean, they're all different. They all, they all bring different things to the table. But, uh, you know, the thing that sticks out about all of them, they all run, they all play hard. Um, I mean, I think Glenn Schumann did a great job with that group this year just – Getting a couple guys that, that had never started before and get them in the starting roles and, uh, you know, divvying up snaps and reps. And, um, that's the most, to me, going to watch them play live this year against South Carolina. That's the, the fun part is watching these guys when they got on the field. I mean, they all just play, they play like their hair's on fire. And that's like a coach's, the coach's dream, right? You get a bunch of talented guys that are all vying for reps and fighting for reps. So when they get out there on the field, they're, uh, they're letting it all, they're letting it rip. Um, and that was that's why Georgia was so much fun to watch on defense this year. But yeah, it's a really talented that's a really talented threesome. Um, I would expect all three of those guys to be gone um, by the end of day two. And uh, you know, yeah, it's just, it's a it's a really good group. It's as good a group as we've seen in college football in the last few years. 
you had uh, Channing Tindall at the Senior Bowl, and I think there were six Georgia guys that ended up being there, and uh, five made it to the game. I think Devontae Wyatt might have had a minor injury. They, they kept him out of the game. I know he practiced during the week. Uh, I wanted to ask you kind of, um, I don't know if there's uh, if it's unanimous uh, in terms of whether uh, Jordan Davis or Devontae Wyatt goes ahead of each other in the draft. Same thing with, uh, I've even seen some have Justin Schaefer even possibly perhaps moving ahead of Jamari Sawyer. Uh, maybe that's an outlier, but can you talk about those guys, um, you know, in terms of as teams evaluate uh, those positions uh, with Sawyer and Schaefer as interior guys and then Wyatt and Davis, uh, you know, obviously on the defensive front, what, what uh, the differences between those guys, what they can bring? Yeah, the D linemen are very different players, obviously completely different body types. I mean, Jordan's a, a, a massive guy. Um, he can be dominant um, for stretches against the run. He can, I mean, he's, he's everything you want in a run defender. He can recreate the line of scrimmage. Uh, he can eat up double teams. He can chase things down. I mean, he, he's great on first and second down. I think the question mark is, is can he be a three-down player? Um, you know, he's, he obviously has in-line power to uh, – you know, to knock people back and, and do that. But he, he wasn't asked to do a lot on third down at Georgia because they, they did have so many talented young athletes on that defensive front. So I think that's, uh, you know, that's going to be the question going forward. Are we drafting a, a really good two-down player? Or are we drafting the guy that can impact the quarterback, uh, which is going to really help Jordan if teams, if teams get to the point where they, they think he's that guy? Well, then, then he's going to go significantly higher than if they think he's just a two-down run player. Um, Devontae is a three-down guy, totally different body type, like I said. Uh, explosed the first set, made a big jump this year on tape. I mean, we evaluated him for last year's Senior Bowl. Um, and he was actually below the cut line to get an invite, and we were glad to see him come back. He made a, he made a, a massive jump. He probably you know jumped two or three rounds in the draft by coming back. Um, everyone knows he's going to test well. That Georgia strength staff has been telling us for a couple years now that he – he could touch into the high four sevens, low four eights in his 40. Uh, but most importantly, he can get upfield. He can be disruptive against run and pass. Um, he showed it during, during practice week, during the one-on-ones, just what he can do with his quickness and his explosion. Um, so, yeah, those two guys are different. I think that, uh, you know, they're both probably fringe, um, fringe first round, second round, uh, level guys. Probably, you know, in that, in that 25 to 40 range, I would guess right now, just based off guys I'm talking to in the league. Um, and then the offensive lineman, yeah, I mean, I think Justin projects as a starting guard. I think uh, teams are going to see him as a guy that can start for him. And then Jamari's just different in the sense that he brings a ton of versatility. Uh, I think he can play all three spots. You know, he, he's played center, he's played tackle, he's played guard. Uh, he played mostly right guard in the senior bowl, which is, you know, different than playing on the left side where he was at Georgia. Um, so you're, you're, you know, you draft in Jamari, you're getting a, a really valuable utility piece. So. Um, those guys are hard to find when you have roster attrition in the NFL like they do every year. You need a guy that can that can move up and down the front and, and plug holes, and, and Jamari can do that. But I think both those guys are going to end up being starters at the next level. How much weight do teams put on, say, the combine as compared to what they see on film? You know, they see throughout the year or even at the at the Senior Bowl with y'all. How much weight is put on each one of those by NFL teams? Not as much as not as much on the combine as you would think, or that the that it's been hyped up to be over the years. Um, like I said, the teams I've worked for that have made mistakes is we miss on the person, and we and we put too much stock into what happens in shorts and t-shirts. Um, and again, I it sounds self-serving right now with, with the role I have at the Senior Bowl, but I've been going to Senior Bowl for 23 years. I've only had this job for four, and one of the reasons I took it is because I believe in the value of the game. I mean, the game's played in, in shoulder pads and helmets, so. Um, 
mean, yeah, it's it's kind of glamorous. It's on the NFL Network. Everyone loves watching the forty-yard dashes. But um, with the GPS data that we have now, I mean, we try we put we chip all the guys' shoulder pads during the week. In one of our partners, Zebra Technologies, is the uh, the official data partner of the National Football League. So the, all thirty-two teams are used to getting the Zebra data. So I mean, if you come to the Senior Bowl, we have all the max acceleration, all the top end speed stuff. Um, I mean, frankly, you don't even need a 40-yard dash anymore. I mean, I, I really think we're a few years away from that being obsolete. I think they still might do it because um, it's good television. But in terms of, like, application for NFL teams, they'd much rather know how these guys carry their pads on a football field than how they line up in uh, in shorts and T-shirts and run a 40-yard dash. Well, you mentioned the person. Obviously, Jordan Davis is just such a lovable guy around, around UGA. You know, when he goes into interviews, does that give him a leg up, you know, that he could maybe come in and, and you know, uh, show the, the person he is and the character he has? And, and how much weight is that taking, you know, the interview with the guys? Uh, I don't know if you want lovable defensive linemen to build your team. With, I don't know. I don't know if that's exactly the profile that these teams are looking for in the interior defensive line. But but no, I got a chance to meet Jordan at the SEC media days last year, and he was he's an impressive guy. Um, and everyone everyone you talk to at Georgia loves him, so I'm sure he's he's a great guy um, off the field. So no, it's just you know when it comes to the interview process, the main thing for all these guys is just. Um, you know, being who they are and letting these teams feel like how important football is to them, how competitive they are, how tough they are. And that comes in different packages. You know, like, you know, a guy can come across as a big lovable guy. Like we had a guy in the, in the senior bowl this year, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, a uh, big left tackle. And when you meet him, when you meet him, you know, sit with him, he seems like this, you know, just a really great guy. And then you get him on the football field and he, he wants to tear everyone's head off. Head off. So, um, it does. It comes in different packages, but that's what that's what the teams are really trying to drill down on. And um, you know, regardless of where they come from and what the circumstance is, like the root of everything is how much do they love football? How, you know, how what kind of work ethic do they have? How much babysitting do we have to do? Like, what's the maintenance level of of the player going to be? Um, those are really the main things coming out of the interviews. Um, regardless of how they get to that answer, though, that's that's those are the answers these teams are all trying to find. I want to ask you about uh, some Georgia offensive guys that not on the line, some skill guys. Um, you know, the running backs, James Cook and Zamir Wet. I know you would have uh, liked to have James uh, at the Senior Bowl. And then George Pickens, um, you know, played uh, three or four games for Georgia coming back from that knee, knee injury. What are teams looking with George uh, to evaluate whether he's kind of, uh, you know, worth that late first-round pick or, or, or even, you know, a, a top-60 type player? And then with the running backs, uh, how do you evaluate them in terms of where they might fit into this draft? Yeah, I think with George, I mean, you're really just trying to get with the medical staff and letting your medical staff determine that for your club. I mean, everyone's going to, you know, I'm sure he's going to be one of the most highly scrutinized guys at the combine. He's going to be, you know, poked and prodded and pulled, and um, people are going to try to figure out, you know, where he's at from a health standpoint. And, and again, we've seen some really incredible bounce backs, you know, even with like Cam Akers for the Rams this year, blowing his Achilles in August and getting back on the field in the playoffs. I mean, these guys are bouncing back quicker and quicker, so I don't think that's going to be a huge detriment to where George goes in the draft, and then it's again. I haven't spent a lot of time studying George Pickett because he wasn't available for yeah. the Senior Bowl. But um, I know he's a talented kid. But just to what level that talent is, um, but I don't think the injury is going to be going to be a big holdup. And then you know, with you know, staying in that same breath. I mean, Zamir White Scott is a talented back, and he, and he you know, he's a good player. Um, but he's got some injury history. I think teams are going to be really interested in that way with Zamir. Um, and with James Cook, it's it's just you know he's never been a featured guy and. Uh, you know, how versatile is he? There's flashes of James 
whether it's his junior year against Alabama lining up lining up out wide on the perimeter and, and you know making plays on a go route or this year against Michigan um, doing the same thing but like how versatile is he in the past game like um, you know can he run routes in the slot can he get open can he make contested plays um, so again you can't get those things answered at a pro day he's going to be running routes on air um, we won't really know like you get running backs you know singled up on linebackers at the next level I mean they get collisioned a lot they, they have to make a lot of contested plays um, the guys that are good at it, and you know, we just, we won't have that answer now uh, with James. I mean, he'll be able to run some routes at pro day, but that doesn't really tell us. And now there's a little bit of roll of the dice of, uh, is how 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 truly versatile is James Cook. I mean, you, you think he is; he's a really good athlete, um, and he catches it well. But uh, you know, if, if if teams are convicted on that, he can be that third down guy that can move around and and kind of be a movable chess piece for him. I mean, the sky's the limit. He's a really talented player. We do believe that LSU and Ohio State have the record for 14 uh, draft picks in, in one single draft. Can can Georgia get to that, top that this year? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. You'd have to rip those names off for me. I know they were a hell of a football team this year, but uh, you know they, they had a ton of talent. At one point we had, I think we had eight guys committed to playing the Senior Bowl, so um, Adam Anderson would have been a ninth had he, had he you know stayed clean off the field. So, no, it was a really talented team, so – um, I would think they would have the most in this year's class, just based off what we the numbers we had at the Senior Bowl. Last thing to, when we let you go, we haven't mentioned uh, Trevon Walker's name, uh, and and some of the people that are draft analysts that doing their mock drafts, they have him higher than any of these other guys we've talked about. Um, I know you didn't evaluate him because he's not a senior, uh, but what are you hearing about him through your NFL circles uh, about kind of uh, his stock? I haven't heard anything really, and I think when you when you look into mock drafts, if you look at them, they're really junior heavy. I think it's a little bit of a um, a lazy thing with mock drafts. I think a lot of these guys just throw juniors up there <laughs> at the top. I don't know. I don't know where he'll end up. I haven't talked to any teams about him, um, but just watching the other tape. I mean, he pops. He's easy to he's easy to find on tape. He's a really talented guy, which a lot of those guys were. I mean, you're you're rewinding the tape a lot, watching Georgia tape. The guys making really, really good individual plays and, and showing off the athleticism, five-star players, um, they make you rewind the tape a bunch. So I know he's talented, but to what level, I have no idea. I haven't heard any buzz from, from guys in the league about him at all. They're, all my conversations right now are about guys we haven't seen before. Jim, we appreciate it very much. I know it's a busy time of year, uh, uh, even coming off the Senior Bowl, and uh, appreciate you carving out some time for us. Yep, you got it, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right, we thank Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl for joining us. Ryan, before we had Jim on, we were going over that top 10 list of next teams to win the national championship. There were a couple of uh, notable programs uh, not mentioned in my top 10 list, men's basketball and gymnastics, which might be the... uh, Second, third? Well, I don't know if gymnastics. I think women's basketball is ahead of gymnastics in terms of interest. But, I mean, I know that they pack in there when things are really going. It's a family event. Yeah. Um, when will those programs be back in a list like that? Oh my God! I mean, that's. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if men's basketball ever should make a list. Like, I mean, they, I'm not saying should, but like, when have they ever been considered a national championship contender? When Jim Herrick was uh, maybe was <laughs> recruiting, maybe. so to speak. Maybe that was, and you know what? He did that. Aside from the Tony Cole uh, debacle, that was some good Georgia players that he brought in from all corners of the of the or whoever is you know at the helm there. Should be doing. Should be bringing in great Georgia talent into I mean, this program. Think about putting it together a list like that, like three years ago, and not putting gymnastics on it. 
I mean, I that's, that's but that's they where have they are. fallen. Yeah. They have fallen. You know, some injuries, but I just don't think they're recruiting at the level that they they should be. You know, they're not bringing in the the Olympians, uh, uh, almost Olympians. You know, local talent has gone to LSU. It's uh, they're struggling. Ryan, do you have eligibility left, and are you still a master of the uneven bars? Uh, I was more of a pommel horse guy. Uh, <laughs> Wait, they don't do that in women's. Yeah, that's a men's sport, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it is impressive what they can do on, on some of these things, man. And, uh, you know, I think I would uh, I'd be more of a floor exercise type of, type of person because, you know, if I did a couple twists on a vault or something, I'd come down and break a leg. Sure as the world. And, right. I, and I couldn't stand on a balance beam, not, not even try a move. Uh, Brock Bowers, Georgia's tight end. You might have heard of him. I think we mentioned him earlier with the... Uh, I'm going to go get his jersey. With, with, jersey. with his name on the back. Uh, Sideline with the labrum surgery. Um, you know, these things happen a, a good bit in football. Uh, cleanup job and... Who did know, it happen to last year? Uh, Nicobe Dean. Nicobe, that's right. Turned out to be pretty good. <laughs> I'd say. Um, you know, there's, there's some other guys uh, that, you know, there's probably three or four of these that happen. Mm-hmm. Or, or two or three. I, I don't know, but... To me, I mean, unless it lingers, unless he's like somehow not practicing in August, uh, then you'd be concerned. But I mean, you got Darnell Washington. You know, Oscar Delp is a, is a freshman that's got a, gets a chance as an early enrollee now to to go out there and uh, make his contribution, uh, show he can be uh, counted on. Um, so I think they'll be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, I, <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever see a freshman have an impact like uh, like Brock Bowers uh, will again. But you know, you hear great things about Oscar Delp, and of course. Uh, with Washington, I mean, golly, he's he's a big dude that's made some good catches down the stretch. Ryan, what are you more excited about seeing uh, Georgia baseball against Albany, or going there and buying um, some of the, some craft beer? Yeah, you know the answer to that. It is going to get a Tropicalia and sitting back. Now, I don't know if it'll be you know how much, in, how, how not much, in February. How much would a Tropicalia cost you if you bought it uh, at a bar? Uh, probably uh, four or five bucks. That's it. Well, it depends on what time of the day you're going and what. And what? How much will it cost? Do you think it uh, fully? Eight? I think five. I think five. What? Bucks. That's it. That's good. well. Is it a sixteen ounce or are they uh, going with twelve uh, ounce? Don't know. Well, whatever. I, I can I can see myself going in early April, sitting back, having one. That'd be fun. Ryan, were you surprised or expected that Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann would get paid uh, eight hundred thousand each uh, as co-defensive coordinators? Um, I, I mean, do you think that's just to be equitable or because Will Muschamp's got like $13 million that he just got from South Carolina? Um, you know, I think it's a little bit less than what they were paying Dan Lanning total. That's what I was going to say. What, what was that, 1.6? One, 1.7. So, trying to do math, that's 1.6, right, for the two of them? <laughs> yes, it is. So, that's a little more. But No, 1.6 is less than 1.7. Oh, I thought you said 1.17. No, 1.7. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, if I was Schumann, I'd probably be like, "Oh, okay, thanks." You know, I guess that's a raise for him, but uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, certainly it's a raise, but um, all right. Well, uh, we'll see. They they still, as we record this, have not hired a defensive backs coach. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, last couple things uh, before we wrap the show: Georgia women's basketball home against Missouri on. Thursday needing uh, to win to, I think they were a five seed in the last ESPN projection. And then, Ryan, uh, the biggest sporting event uh, in Athens, maybe this month, is uh, the gymnastics meet because Auburn's Suni Lee is coming to town with. Does she wear the gold medal, you think, in warm up so people can see it? I doubt that. But uh, what if she competed with that? That would. Uh... 
That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Do you think, uh, I mean, it was sold out over the weekend, you know, more than a week away. Do you think people just want to go see the gold medal winner, right? <clears throat> right. But isn't that the thing with like when, uh, you know, Georgia's heyday in the early to mid 2000s, you had Courtney Coupette, you had Courtney McCool. You remember her? Courtney McCool with mm -hmm. the two Olympians on the same team. I mean, it is exciting, especially coming off an Olympic year like last year and with the, uh, in the middle of the Winter Olympics. I haven't been keeping up with the, uh, Winter Olympics, except they did hear that the U.S. hockey team lost. So I get home from the Hawks game Tuesday night. Yeah. And I'm, you know, ready to go to sleep. But I'm also like, hey, USA hockey's on. But I went to bed. They were up 2-1. to one, Wake up. They lost. Got shut out in the uh, yeah. in the shootout, right? Yeah, yeah. So. All right. We will uh, not probably talk about the Olympics next week. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> we will talk about Georgia Athletics. We'll see what's shaking then, and everyone have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next time. See you.